My name is Salim Avan. I'm uh, the Director of Policy, Strategy and Governance Division at the United Nations in the area of uh, information and communications technology. So I'm here um, really kind of trying to support this idea of uh, embracing open source technology, but also kind of an open approach um, to technology, to the way in which we engage, to this idea of kind of working together, um, to collaborating, to co-creating, uh, and also with respect to data. So it was really just about trying to understand some of the things that are taking place, um, make people aware of some of the work that we are doing and try to bring together in a coherent way, a kind of collective effort. again on the COP seat at COP26 uh, fringe event from Open UK. It's the Uptime Punks and we have Salim Avan and he's Director of Policy, Strategy and Government at the United Nations. Welcome Salim. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yes, it's a real pleasure to have you here and uh, Paul and I were just asking ourselves like what an honor um, to have the United Nations uh, once again on the podcast. Um, our listeners probably know um, one of our mentors, Susanna Kass. Um, so we are really looking forward to uh, what you, Salim, have to tell us. Uh, I yeah, think we should today. start from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. As a director of policy and strategy to uh, at the United Nations. Exactly. And so I do all things that are not related to the operations. So when it obviously it's policy, strategy, governance um, in the area of technology, but it's also innovation, data, analytics, BI. So all of those things that are really about how we can use technology most effectively. My new boss, who just arrived relatively recently, talks about kind of two brands of IT, talks about run IT and enable IT. So I kind of take care of the enable IT, which is really about leveraging technology most effectively to implement the mandates of the UN. Or in other words, how do we use technology to really advance you know, our objectives globally in terms of peace and security, human rights, development, etc. So what are these objectives, like you're saying, human rights and where does sustainability come into that? Now I'm jumping straight into the well, hard stuff here. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah, a good, obvious, but important and um, maybe not so apparent question. So when the UN was created, um, it was 1945, and we established the Charter. And in the Charter, we really talk about four things. We talk about peace and security, human rights, development, and international law. The UN since then has grown, um, and we've got all sorts of different agencies, entities that deal with all sorts of things. Uh, health, food security, water security. We have an office of outer space affairs, which I know I don't want to at all trivialize because that's an extremely important emerging issue in terms of how do we peacefully use outer space. We have environmental stuff. Um, so almost everything that you can think of, the UN has some sort of role in. Um, the SDGs, as you mentioned, for those that are not familiar, this was a commitment made by member states to identify uh, where 17 sustainable development goals were identified, um, covering all sorts of things like peace and security, like life underwater, life on land, gender, um, equality, all these sorts of issues. And it was really a kind of uh, a set of measures that we, the member states of the UN, committed to implement um, by 2030 over a 15 year period. So for the COP26, I mean, you guys are the ones who, maybe I'm wrong, started the whole thing, the meetup of all the nations. But what sort of is for you guys the mission statement of the COP26 this year? What was sort of the goal of you guys to achieve this year? 
So I think ultimately what we need to, well, what we need to kind of come together and do, and the UN is um, an organization of kind of multilateralism. So the idea is, and the Secretary General talks about this a lot, where if we're going to tackle some of the most pressing challenges and the most complex problems that we face as humanity, and not just as humanity, but the planet faces and that all life on the planet faces, then we have to find a common, collective, agreed way forward. So COP26 and the previous COPs were about trying to identify those core principles upon which we agree, the commitments that we agree to, and the commitments that we decide collectively to act on. And the, how we bring institutions, private sector, public sector, academia, member states together to kind of advance with this common commonality of purpose and commonality of intention. So that was really the, the kind of idea. And, and I think the focus changed a bit because 20 years ago it wasn't about technology, but now technology plays such a major part in it. So how does technology play a role in it for the United Nations and why do you think technology and sustainability is such an important topic? So that's a complex question. So basically technology, you can take the small kind of meaning of technology, which is software and hardware. I don't think we should do that here. I think that the real idea of technology is all technologies and advancements, whether it be carbon sequestration technologies or software or hardware or anything else. Um, this is the moment where we have the ability to engage um, on a, a raft of different technological solutions. Um, it's also a time when a couple of really important things are emerging, artificial intelligence, quantum computing. You take those two things together, you're able to do things that we weren't necessarily being able to do, let alone 20 years ago, not even five years ago. So now we can start looking at massive amounts of data in interesting ways, understand and model that data to infer and understand much more uh, clearly what could potentially happen in the future. So technology and all of the various technologies that are in existence now has the potential to help us solve these issues, but technology on itself is not enough. Um, so so um, you not being necessarily the software hardware guy, but can you tell us a bit more about yeah. your relationship to technology and your, your uh, favorite moment in tech in that sense? So from my own experience and understanding of technology, I've been working, I, I, I started in the former Yugoslavia uh, when the, the war had started there. Um, in 1994, I went from there, um, from Croatia actually, to Bosnia, to Western Sahara, to Sierra Leone, to Iraq, to a few other places. And there was a couple of moments that I remember that, you know, one is a kind of a serious one. I was working for an organization called um, the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. I'd left the UN for a little while. It was in Croatia. It was at the, I think it was in like 1998-ish. Um, and they had no technology for some reason. They just didn't have a technology capacity. So they literally had those old-fashioned modems, probably from a time before you guys were born, where everybody was dialing up and sending emails, etc. And what was really interesting to me was, so at that time, I was relatively young and early in technology, and we implemented a technology system, a network, all that kind of stuff. What was interesting to me is the fundamentals of the organization changed, the dynamics changed, the way in which people worked changed, the efficiency changed. And it was the first time I ever remember the fundamental impact the technology could have. There's a less, uh, my favorite moment in technology is slightly different. Uh, years later, I was in uh, Sierra Leone. Um, Sierra Leone is very close to the equator. We had an earth station, which is a satellite dish. The satellite dish, because it was where it was, pointed straight up. Okay? Into the satellite dish would fall leaves. And then we had the rainy season. 
So what would happen is that the dish would start filling up with water. And we would see on a little screen inside our emails start failing, our telephone lines start failing, and somebody had to go outside. And so we would have to go outside, take a, a, a car radio antenna, and push it up through a hole so that the water would drain out of the satellite dish so that our communications would come back. There was a young man, there was a, actually a guy that used to work with me. His name was JJ. I was an English guy. And he would come to me to ask him to send emails to his daughter because he was far away and he wanted to send emails. And I remember this one day I said to him, listen, JJ, you write the email. I'll send it for you while I go outside and drain the satellite dish. <laughs> so, and he wrote it and I came back to my desk and he had written the email to his daughter without spaces because he didn't know like enough about technology to know that he needed to put a space between the words. And I remember thinking to myself that, you know, we take it so much for granted that people understand and know technology, but people really don't universally understand and know technology. And it also occurred to me that when you're in the middle of Sierra Leone during a conflict, trying to drain the satellite, and this guy wants to just write back to his daughter about how he's doing, that he's safe. I think that it really kind of makes you understand the human aspect of what technology can do and can be for people. And I think that those are my kind of two uh, kind of serious and less serious kind of examples where it's a real enabler for work. It's a real transfer transformational force for organization, but it also has this human aspect that I think we have to always remember. It, basically, technology becomes a bridge for humanity because basically it makes it easier for us to communicate, but also to collaborate on things. And I think probably United Nations, that's why also United Nations is probably a big supporter of open source and sharing information. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately when we, you know, build solutions, um, if those solutions are avail either UN solutions are made open source, and we're doing that much more now, or that we globally use and proliferate and work together on open source technologies, not only does it mean that we have... Um, universal available technologies but it also there's such a disparity in the economic capabilities of different countries um, that it allows all countries to be able to participate in that kind of um, open source journey but also to use those technologies and you know we um, uh, I was saying earlier we have uh, six official languages of the UN and we think uh, of technology and data as the seventh particularly when it comes to young people because they're such natives to technology that it allows us to really kind of um, use technology to support and include young people who often don't necessarily feel like they have a voice. The last thing to say on that is that um, when it comes to um, the idea of, uh, you know, that kind of open source culture, it kind of parallels the UN principle because the UN principle is really about multilateralism, about coming together, about working together. I was on a panel earlier and I was talking about this phrase that we often use in the UN. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And open source is really about going far, about dealing with really complex things, about trying to solve issues in a collaborative, constructive and positive way. That's quite interesting. Um, so we always speak about the magic of data, right? Um, because we say the data is, data is the new sun because um, with data you can just explain everything in the world and can try to make it a better place. Um, do you think at the meetings that were happening in the last 10 days, was it? do you think it's a really good outcome, like looking forward? Um, I hope so. I mean, I think that, you know, when you talk about data as being the new sun, I think we have to be very careful we don't get sunburned. So, you know, it's um, data has 
we have the potential to use data at volume and scale like we never did. We have the ability to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to figure out things that we never could have. But we also have to be careful because we also have to respect privacy and we also have to make sure that we don't, I heard this interesting phrase, data colonialism, right? So we have our digital colonialism. So we have to be very careful that those that own the data retain the data and able to use that data, and particularly when it comes to people, yeah? So I think that we have to kind of balance that idea of seeing it as an opportunity, using it in a positive way, protecting it and dealing with the kind of potential pitfalls and uh, harm that can come from uh, use or disclosure of data. Um, in terms of the last uh, 10 days, I think that what the UN is really about is creating that forum for, for, for member states um, and, and other partners to this kind of idea of sustainability to be able to come together and reach some common ground, reach some agreements, um, and perhaps, you know, share data, perhaps be able to kind of find common solutions to problems. And I think that in that sense, these kind of four are extremely important. We have a number of them, COP, the, the COP, uh, um, you know, 26 and, and before, and those ones that will come in the future are extremely important in that, um, in that process. So really the open source idea of sharing data and be transparent about what kind of data you generate, how you use it, rather than just the competition game where everybody's, uh, you know, keeping the data to themselves and try to make the max profit out of it. Um, is there any particular use case for the technologies you named like AI or quantum computing that you find particularly interesting that you think personally, not for the UN speaking, but personally that you think are really, um, yeah, worth looking at more so i think that so there's a kind of logical answer to that question which is that i think when we look at quantum and artificial intelligence to look at models of uh, for example the migration that's going to occur as a result of climate the climate models i think that's extremely important for us to really just nail down and bring some of the smartest people to really kind of think about those things so those are the kind of areas that i would really really concentrate on but i also think that the technology has another role as well so we had this very interesting hackathon um a few years ago um it was called reboot the earth it was before the, the pandemic and uh, we invited young people um actually all people but many of them were young to um, provide solutions and one of the solutions we received was um, storing data in the DNA of plants. Now, it's an interesting one because, you know, you, you, you're talking about moving from energy-consuming data centers to having plants and the DNA of those plants is stored data. Not always a very viable, practical thing, but when I say technology has another role, technology and data also has a role of telling a story. And that story and that storytelling and that metaphor is extremely important in us being able to engage with these problems because the real kind of idea for me is you can use technology in an engineering sense to solve complex problems. You can also use um, technology and data to bring people together to make them feel like they're included and give them a voice to be able to participate and try to help um, kind of engage on some of these complicated issues. I think that's really great because um, yeah, DNA in the plants, data in the plants. I think I read something about that not long, well, not all too long ago. But my, my brain can't even process it's that. So I don't know how far it is advanced, uh, really. But it's I so interesting because if you think about it, yeah. we're finding DNA intact from 20,000 years ago, yeah. right? From millions of years ago, right? So theoretically, again, I'm, 
I just think that it's a really, really compelling idea um, to be able to think outside the box. And that only happens if you have an ability to engage with smart young people who do think out of the box, right? Who do think about things. And open source is a way or an open kind of culture and an open approach is a way to allow that to happen. If you could go back in time and you could meet your younger self, this is always our difficult question, the last one. If you go back in time and meet your younger self, what would you tell yourself? What should you do different in order to help the planet be more sustainable? Um, with regard to technology or just generally? I think that what I would say is um, that um, I would remind myself or I would tell myself that small things can happen from individuals. Yeah, and those things can grow into really enormous movements. So, you know, don't be afraid to start something. So start something, even if it's small, but stick to it and uh, really do it in a way that's about compassion, hope, positivity, constructiveness, love in, in one word, you know, and to do that and try to bring people together with you um, and, and to kind of create a, a, a common direction of travel for everybody. So that's what I would really tell myself. I would also tell myself not to use technology as much in the future and instead to really find time to connect with other people and with nature and i think that's one of the things that i think is really important is the technology is ultimately a tool for us um and i worry a little bit if you know current generations and future generations are so connected that you know we sometimes as, as, a, as a result of the connection that we have to our technology we disconnect from the planet and from each other um, I think people are becoming very dependent um, and I think a lot of people realized during the pandemic how they started drifting a little bit away from technology and started going outside, exercising, running, people got dogs and all of these things and sort of went back to the roots, um, as I would like to say. But yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure and um, yeah, hope to have you back soon. Thank Great. you. Thank, Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.